everybody, and welcome to what will be episode seven. Uh, this is Mark Schultz, the host and creator of Gangly Flamingo. And uh, just a brief reminder, this is a video podcast. So if you are just listening to us and you're dying to see our faces, drop everything you're doing and run to Spotify or YouTube. Thank you very much. Otherwise, any pod, uh, any other major platform uh, you can listen to. So today we have Matt Gardner. Uh, Matt is a recovery and life coach, a story work coach, a musician, and a sound therapist. You can find him online at recoveryroadmap.me on Instagram and the web at recoveryroadmap.me and Matt Gardner live on YouTube and Facebook. Welcome, Matt. How are you? Awesome. Thanks for the, uh, the intro there, Mark. I appreciate that. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Uh, it's funny. I, uh, as I get more used to this and the show gets more episodes under its belt, I kind of just want to take a second because I feel like, you know, I would jump right into my questions and be like, what's going on? So I feel like we could both take yeah. a second. It, it feels very yeah. much like a, like a meeting, Settle like in. check in. Yeah. How are you showing up? How are you feeling today? Yeah. Let's do a, little, a quick little check in then. Yeah, right? for sure. You know what? Like right now. Uh, and so initially, uh, like we had a little bit of time to preamble, which is good because, uh, you know, full disclosure to your, your audience, yeah. uh, I was a little bit late, you know, uh, the time, <laughs> not the time machine monster, what is it? The time zone monster. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to blame him. Uh, it was my fault, but at the end of the day, but uh, which I do apologize. I like to no, out no, myself no when this does happen and, and it eerily happens when I'm the guest, but never, of course never happens. I'm never late for my own <laughs> podcast, which is good. Um, so I was nervous slash just rattled i was rattled but now checking in especially after we've had our you know a chance to kind of get to know each other uh beforehand you know uh feeling uh feeling very comfortable i uh, feeling Great. just privileged to be on your show being a uh, guest 007 uh, you said like uh, episode seven so I'm, I'm i'm claiming 007 now for your show uh which <laughs> I feel pretty good about that as well um yeah, aside from that, um, just good energy. Got a little bit of tingliness in my uh, stomach, which is a sign that I'm uh, excited. And um, you know what? It's a, it's a great day. I'm going to be taking my dogs out uh, as soon as I'm done the conversation with you. I'm excited to have you on my show, turn the tables on you. Yes, excellent. Uh, in a, whatever it was, four or five days. And aside from that, uh, yeah, no, I'm doing great overall. So uh, how about how about yourself? Oh, it's good. Oh, and I love that. Seamless, like plug into your show. It's perfect. Yeah. This is hey. called, what do we call this? A pod swap? I think it's called in the yeah, quote unquote right. industry. Yes. Excellent. Pod swap. I love that. I love that term. Um, I, how am I doing? I had a personal day off from work just for like, you know, nothing serious, but doctor's appointments. And yeah, I mean, you know, I like these check-ins. I it's kind of a stressful couple of days, a little bit. I think, um, you know, obviously folks that are on here listening for the obvious recovery theme of this whole thing. I feel like, you know, um, I use reframe. I've mentioned it many times in the past and I'm a little behind on the daily tasks. And mm. I do feel that when I go a few days without sort of teaming the daily tasks and the reading with my routine. And so I think that contributes a little bit to a, to a stress and to a little bit of a, uh, feeling a little lost in, in some things, but then yeah. I, what I love about the show like this and, and having the routine of the prep for this and like talking to a guest like you is it kind of focuses me right back together. Right. Which is part of the reason why I started the show to help others, but also this is giving me something to tether to, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm feeling good. Sense. 
Feeling good now, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Currently, right now, present time, feeling good. Yes. <laughs> right, good. This morning, train wreck. No, not yeah, quite yeah. that bad, but <laughs> right. Um, but this is good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah. I, I echo your thoughts. I think the the preamble and just sort of saying hi, um, folks. This would be the the very first guest that I don't know personally, like beforehand. Hey, so, like, hey, right. I'm branching out. <laughs> I love it. That's cool. I feel honored. <laughs> um, so. Man, I, I have to say, I think in my, my, my notes here, the first thing I scrambled down was, tell me what a story work coach is. It jumps out of yeah. your bio and I'm like, hmm, yeah, what is that? Yeah, a great place to start. So I, I, uh, I took a coaching certification it's in Lifted is the uh, coaching community. Okay. And it's all about, it's the, the basis of the, the certification is story work, story work coaching. So uh, so I'll start with uh, the quote that my mentor always mentions when he talks about it. He's like, it's not the thing that gets you. It's your story about the thing that gets you, right? So nah. a lot of us carry these narratives and these stories along with us. And that's where, you know, resentments can really like linger and stay and attach themselves to what otherwise is just something happened. I mean, you and I were just talking about like Shakespeare in a joking sense before we started, you know, there, there is no good or bad. It's, it's thinking that makes it so right. So it's a lot to do with that and uh, finding a lot of people, myself included, uh, you know, aside from a little bit of journaling, which is like some fragmented, you know, you know, I, I go back to my 16 year old days. I start scribbling down different things when I, you know, get it out of my system. Right. But uh, aside from like fragmented journaling, I've never gone on like a computer or written down like something that's like kind of autobiographical, right? Of specifically right. of like a traumatic event. So there's something about that that's just like it comes out of, of you and it's like it's and then he gives you a little bit of objectivity, right? There's actual literal space between you and say the computer screen, for example. And then you read it back and it's almost like this, um, like this out of body experience with the story. And you can, as a result, you have this objectivity. And when you read it back, you can start, you know, as a result from the objectivity, you can really start seeing when you're using like negative phrases, like statements of negation or being hard on yourself or someone else, right? It gives you a chance to really analyze your own stories, right? And so as soon as it's out of your head, out on the screen, um, say, for example, if I'm, uh, you know, you and I are doing it, I'd have you type it up on a Google Doc. I'd be able to watch you through a Zoom call, obviously. And then I get you to read it out loud. And so reading it out loud is a whole different emotional charge than you get by just typing. So there's emotional charge from typing it. And it's like, okay, for example, for me, when I typed it, I'm like, oh yeah, like I nailed this one. This has kind of got some humor and all that. And I start reading it back and I get like emotional. I almost start like crying. I'm like, oh right. man, like I feel like this way about myself. What am I, you know? So it's a whole separate secondary charge. Like when you read it back out, and out loud and you're just like, you could catch yourself with certain uh, with things or I catch myself with certain things where I'm like, oh man, that uh, I got to change my, my outlook on that. That does not, that, that does not sound good to me right now. And then, uh, and then you do a, a second read where you do it at about 70% speed. So that way there's a uh, generally like, I'll try and skip over sentences that have a really big emotional charge to them. I'll try and like read it really quickly and kind of skip over it. But this allows you to like, you know, you basically have to read in monotone, just sort of at 70% speed over and you can just feel the emotion, like start bubbling up underneath it. So the second read with 70%, you get like a whole different emotional charge and you'll get different reactions from people. Some people will have this, like if say, for example, it's like a story about their father or something like that. All of a sudden they'll have like this perspective on and this allowance of the father's side of it and going, and then there's like some forgiveness that happens, 
right? So there's an amazing journey that you go from like typing it to reading it once, reading it second time at 70% speed. And then the third time, what we do is we split uh, every sentence up into just sentence, like each sentence basically, right? And then you take a nice big abdomen breath in between each sentence. You read it, read the next one. And then that's where like the real magic starts happening. That's where like you can really start to get that release of the story. And I have to ask Matt, are you, uh, so I was trained actor here. A lot of what you're doing, I would have done script work, uh, acting work and prep. Were you trained in that at all? Or is that part no. of your background? Or no? Oh, that's me. No, not at all. Like I'm obviously the musician background, but no, I, I, I loved me. Like I loved film growing up. Uh, I, I always felt that I, I would have a hard time acting. I don't know. I, I don't know why I always wanted to, but no, I don't have any kind of background. In oh, it's kind of amazing. that the, the So the, what you're describing would be things that say, as I was directing actors or, uh, you might use as an exercise for sure, or voice instructors uh, mm. would work with actors to slow down, say they're giving a speech. Uh, we talk Shakespeare, right? Doing a famous right. soliloquy, for example. Yeah. Everything you just described about, even when it's an actor and it's not their own emotions, but they're tapping in right to the things mm. that are going to power that performance, they will be scared to go there. Their body will resist wanting to feel it. And so they may speed. And I think what you're saying is almost skip like a stone over it rather than I, I love your 70%. You slow yes. that down and you realize as humans, uh, just the way we're forming words and the connection from the diaphragm and the breath up to what you're saying, when you force yourself to really it's almost picturing like wallowing around in a puddle, like just really roll around in that for a second yes. and, and let yourself feel it. Yeah. yeah. You're going to go somewhere. And then oh, I, yeah. I can only imagine when you're then actually telling your story with that, your right. personal story, that's, that's breakthrough material. Yeah. I'm sure. That's super <laughs> cool. I've never actually heard uh, anybody uh, suggest that it's like, has that kind of connection to yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah, like that's, live that's theater or, so that's super cool, man. That's like, thanks for, uh, print, uh, you know, uh, pointing that out. No, it's interesting. Course. Cause like, uh, my, the, the head coach or my mentor, Mark England, uh, swears by that as, uh, to your point is like, for, if you're going to do public speaking, he's like, you're going to speed up because you know, everybody has a ner some nerves around public speaking. So yeah try and use that technique. So it's funny you mentioned that at like the 70% speed, because that's going to regulate you. You're going to be able to remember, to remember to breathe, right. And things of this nature. So yeah, he's always like what you're doing with the story we're coaching will very much lead into when you get into public speaking. So just remember 70%. Ah, that's yeah. amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to push cool. actors to do it at 200%, like really fast oh, where they felt okay. the ridiculousness of not being able to tap in at all at, at their normal all. speed and then bring yeah. it back to hundred. And then to your point, bring it way back. Like sometimes yeah. even force them to do it at like 20% where it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. which then they start to act like robots and it becomes disconnected yeah. and yeah. Um, but, yeah. but to, to bring that through to recovery, unless it is already tethered to recovery, is that what I'm picturing, you, you described, uh, uh, you said on the computer. So it sounds like yeah. someone sits down and does an exercise to write this out. You said you watch them. Is the task to write about their whole lives in general, or do you do different episodes of their lives? And do you ask them to zone in on their recovery story, their alcohol abuse story? Yeah. All the above is it, oh, okay, you can cool. jump around, right? So you can do, um, you know, it's the story will end up being say a paragraph. So I just say like, and some people it's easier for some people, you know, some people get like three sentences out and be like, ah, you know, this is, you know, 
it, it can be challenging. This is hokey. I hate this. Yeah. 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 Or maybe not even that, but they just like, ah, I don't, I don't know what else to throw. And that have to, okay, well give some more context, like person, place thing, like con like environment, anything. Right. The main thing that I'm looking for though, is, is the emotionally charged, the commentary, right? Like that, uh, that underlying, uh, commentary where you're, you're getting down on yourself or on somebody else. There's a projection that we can turn back inwards, right? Like they made me do this. You know, as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh yeah, keep typing, keep, no, uh, you know, do you ask them to write about it as if they are a third person or is it in the first person? It'd be in first person. Okay. I haven't had, to, I mean, if, if, if they were more comfortable reading it or writing it in third person, I mean, like we could, we could, if they were really having a mental block or something was around not being able to do it, do that. I would suggest that. But yeah, I was always just like I statements. I want to encourage like I statements, right? Cause you want to get to the point where you're really accountable and responsible for the emotions that are coming up and, you know, projections are a big thing and that can be tricky for people, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you slip into that part of my recovery was a degree of victim mentality, right? I had been wronged. The reason I'm drinking is because these external stimulus and circumstances, people, you know what I mean? That's why I'm drinking. It's not my own fault, right? Of right. course, right? There's like, so there's a bit of that, <clears throat> which can be challenging to deal with. Uh, but other than that, you really start looking at like, you know, just statements of negation, like I can't do this or I won't be doing that. Okay, well, let's not focus on that. So what you do after you pluck those sentences out, for example, if it's a negation, uh, statement of like, I can't do this. Okay. Well, if you can't do that, what can you do? Right. Cause if you're, if you're focusing on like, don't focus on the pink elephant or the gangly flamingo, you're going to think yep. of the gangly flamingo, right. <laughs> Versus, you know, if you, and that, so it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's just shifting that. So by the end of it, you, we can get some, a powerful set of mantras that are essentially in the, that, those, per, that, you know, that person's own words. But what we've done is just plucked out a couple words, uh, you know, taken a negation, turned it into an affirmation, boom breathe on that. That is now your mantra. So you've changed, uh, focusing on a negative. We switched it into a positive and that's, that's going to be your part of your new story. Right. And so you're switching it like one mantra or one sentence at a time. Right. And it really does, uh, air out a lot of, uh, it helps with forgiveness, self-forgiveness and forgiveness of other people that have happened to get back to your question though. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's anything and everything. Like I've had, um, it, it, it seems like it, everybody's story tracks back to their childhood, right? There's something in there that happened that set off the chain of events that led you to addictive behavior that led you to, you know, even in recovery, you're just like, for me, I'm, I'm just learning some of these patterns, you know, that have been just running in the shadows of my mind and my brain. Right. Yeah. I'm not called years formative old, years for right? no reason. Yeah. Right. Right. And I've just like, it's, it served me well when I was seven because I was a coping thing and, and I just carried it through until I'm 40. Right. Yeah. Unimpeded. And, uh, yeah, so that's where you can really identify some of this stuff. And like, I've been in, you know, counseling for 10, 10 or so years for different things. And as soon as I got to this, this story we're coaching, I was like, man, this is blows it out of the water. I found it so helpful for myself. It had a lot of energetic release and just me changing my, my stories that I was carrying around, right. Negative, like, you know, what was me stories and really reframing them. Like we talk, you know, reframe, right. It's, it's, that's a lot of recovery and a healthy recovery and active recovery and sobriety is reframing these events. Emotionally, you talk about like emotional recovery, emotional sobriety. That's where this, you know, this is the playground for that for sure is the story we're coaching. And dude, it's just fun. Like it's so rewarding by the end, you know, the, uh, like the person just like, you can see a change in them as like you go through the stages and for me, it's kind of like, it's not like playing chess, but in a way, like, cause words are so cool. Like words have such a 
charge behind them. I'm sure you could, you're a, you know, you, you have a respect for words with the, your, your, you know, the scripting and different things that you've had experiences with, like the power of just like changing a couple of words around can ch supercharge a sentence in such a different way than like this kind of, you know, blah, kind of, you know what I mean? Like if you just change a couple of words, all of a sudden you can see the physiology change in the person. They start, you know, so it's, yeah. Story work is, uh, I'm glad you uh, yeah, started with that. It's yeah. cool. Um, no, yeah, of course, of course. I, I feel like, um, that, yeah, that resonates really uh, quite a bit with me, not just from an acting background, but you mentioned therapy, yeah. you know, myself, a, a lot of the things that I'm working on is that internal dialogue is the way yeah. that I don't even realize I'm treating myself or the, the voice in my head when I'm reacting to something that I've done or I haven't done. So it, it makes a lot of sense that even my conception of why I was abusing alcohol and what I was using it for that is one narrative that I trust very much. And I, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think there's other stories in there and, and other dynamics about how I speak to myself and how I view my own story that was probably had to be contributing to the issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I love that you're yeah. getting people to reevaluate that. Yeah, for sure. I love how you caught yourself at the end there too, because like there's those words, this, the kind of those, it's called soft talk, right? When you say the probably is the maybe, yeah, maybe that had, and then you caught yourself and like, it was, <laughs> you, you was. pulled that out. You pulled out the soft talk. You corrected yourself. So good job on that. You know, there's, there are certain words that get very toxic. I still catch myself. I've been, I've had this certification for over a year now. You know, and what we do in the in the club, like in the enlifted club, if we're talking to another enlifted coach, if you say a negation, uh, it's not like expected, but you kind of do. You, you go, oh, negation acknowledged, right? So if like I can't do that, negation acknowledged, right? Or like if you say a soft talk, like if you're not firm about like committing to a time, you're like a soft talk acknowledged. I'll probably be there about you know five o'clock, right? So when you're so it's 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 kind of fun, uh, but yeah, like for me, and I, I'm curious to see what you because you're talking inner dialogue, so we could talk a little bit about this. Man, like up until recently, and it's still, I'm practicing this. I had so much pressure language on myself when it was time to accomplish something or get into like energy of like the doer, which is like how I generally am like all the time. Like I'm a achiever doer. Like I just, you know, I'm all about like crossing something off a to-do list versus enjoying the process, right? I want to get to the end, cross it off, dopamine rush. Okay, what's next, right? That is yes. how I've lived my life. And it got very tiring. And in the meantime, one of the other reasons why I wasn't enjoying the process is because I'm having, like, I should get this done. I, I have to get this done. I must get this done, right? And that was like the, the, you know, the inner boss or like my dad or somebody like that that would be like, that's my inner dialogue. And I'm like, well, hold on a second now. I'm, I'm on to you, right? And then so I'm like, okay, so I, I just slight changes, right? And so I used to have a to-do list on my phone. So I just I've changed it to the get to-do list. And dude, it sounds so much more like it's a choice now. I get to do this. It's It's got some curiosity built into it. And just adding that one three-letter word changed my whole experience of my to-do list. It's the get to-do list now. So just little things like that. How is it for you, though? You've talked to, you just alluded to it with your inner dialogue. Do you have a lot of pressure language going on in, inside your head there? Like, what does that sound like for you? Um, it's interesting. For example, we could... <laughs> go meta here and talk about the podcast itself as this is a project it's a passion project right i have a full-time career um in marketing and advertising this is something that i wanted to do to stay connected to the journey to to meet new people like yourself and the other guests that i have on the the folks that are 
so kind with giving encouraging words and feedback and connecting with me on Instagram, et cetera. Um, so there's no, there really is no pressure. There shouldn't be. So I, mm, but, but I, it's funny. I don't know that I actively have, and maybe none of us do. It's, we say this voice. It's not like we actually sit down and be like, Mark, well, maybe some people do, but I don't say like, Mark, you have to get this done. There mm. is though just this intrinsic to-do list, like you said. Mm. And I am really big on overestimating what I think I should be able to do. Mm. For example, say I'm setting up the website for this. And there's a, a part of it that I've never done before, but it feels logical to me. So I'm like, okay. Right. It's only eight o'clock. I could do this first and go to bed. I'm just going to learn how to do it. And so somehow I've just yeah. decided that I can Google search something out of the blue. It's just going to open itself up to me and I'm going to learn it in half an hour because I, yeah. I just feel like I'm super logical ABC, which has served me very well. But then I feel like I'm not giving myself the, uh, I don't even know what it is. The, the, uh, a realistic expectation to need some time to yeah. not learn something the very first time you read about it, yeah. not <laughs> like, and yeah. so I will then, you know, it, it was eight o'clock. It's now three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, ah, and I get it done, but right. the taxing, it, it can be taxing. Right. Sure. And so sure. I think what I'm loving about the sobriety part of going through this now is I'm able to be much more present with that dynamic. It's not just happening and I forget about it or I don't even notice it. I get angry mm. and I get it done and, blah, and then I go to bed and then I drink on the weekend and everything just this, the roller coaster goes on. Yeah. Now I think I'm able to go <laughs> baby steps, I guess. At 10 o'clock, yeah. I'm able to at least know it's happening now. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't necessarily right? stop yet, but yeah. <laughs> you know it's happening. Okay. You know, that, that kind of thing, if that makes yeah. sense. There isn't a, a voice, does. there's just this this expectation that I can yeah. do it. Right, right. It's a very long answer. Sorry. But. No, no, that makes sense. And then, so if you don't meet that, ex okay, I get, I get the impression there is no, if I don't meet the expectation, you're just going to keep going until it's done. Oh, it's going to be done. I, that was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I got you. Got you. <laughs> Intr yeah, oh, like gonna there's almost no, like, oh, I'm going to get yeah. it done. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but, and so gosh, the pardon gentle audience, you're now like, wow, Mark's insane. I mean, not insane. That's, that's <laughs> rough, inappropriate language. But like, yeah. I do have like that very, I guess that's classical type A, like I can do this and it's going to be done because everything just feels right. logical to me. Like sure. anything's possible. And I guess in a way I can yeah. take some pride in that I have that ingrained in me. Like there's a oh, optimism that I don't even think I own usually. Yeah. Um, but Going through it in the sobriety, I feel like, you know, we, we talk about HALT and for anybody new who is not familiar with, with what that is, HALT is um, a tool where you're looking at when you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. There's your HALT, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're not managing those pretty actively, you can get into sort of a danger zone where you think you then might end up slipping or having a relapse because you then are returning to alcohol to deal with that, right? You're suddenly lonely. You're not taking active ways to manage that. And so if loneliness was one of your core triggers for a reason or a reason why you're drinking, you go back to that. Um, so I have that halt on my radar all the time. If I say, mm -hmm. go through everything we just talked about, and then I'm suddenly angry about it. And right. I'm like, oh, okay. 
halt radar beeping off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few in there that would be that would activate that when you have that kind of like relentlessly curious work ethic or like enthusiastic, like you say, you're, uh, yeah, that's just kind of what I'm viewing, right? It's like, you know, I'm going to get this done one way or the other. I'm logical about it. Yeah. Pess or sorry, pess optimistic. Obviously there's some degree of like curiosity. Like you have a curious nature. You're like, okay, what, how does this work? How does this get put together? What's the next step? What's the next step? What's and you just kind of keep going. Right. right. And like have yeah. this vision of like, <laughs> Yeah. I think what I want is an impossible. Other people do it. I should be able to do this right now. Like I, yeah. I should give it some space. Um, sure. So it's getting better, you know, in the, in the, in the journey here. And I love that what you said about switching that to do to a get to do mm. really is such an amazing perspective shift. Cause I, I think that was in some of the readings, um, daily task, et cetera, something similar to that, like change mm. that perspective to yeah. an opportunity. I think that helps. Definitely. It does. It definitely does. Yeah. And that's, you know, the power of words, that's so important. You know, yeah. our choice of words are like in our, like our inner dialogue into like, yeah, the, you know, um, I, I, I find that I'm proofreading my emails and text messages a lot differently too. looking for that the way I'm presenting myself. Am I being wishy-washy with soft talk or like being negative with negations and stuff? So that's a really good, uh, you know, opportunity yeah. for, uh, for folks that are listening to this that want to, you know, see how they're showing up with their language. That's it's a, uh, you know, before you hit send, just, just have a look. Okay. How am I presenting myself here? And that's a, that's a good way to start to, you know, making some micro changes along the way. Terrific. Uh, and for anybody um, who's um, curious how to connect with Matt, definitely check the episode notes. You know, we mentioned where to find him, but uh, we'll have more of his information and his full bio in the episode notes for sure. So if you're interested in any of the things he's discussing, you should certainly reach out to him. Um, yeah, please do. Yes. Yeah. Matt, I, I think folks are probably going to be curious. You know, we talked about what this, the story work coach is and, and what you're doing there, but sort of how to get to know you a little bit better and your own experience to how you sort of ended up doing that type of thing. Um, I figured we can get into, uh, there's a segment on the show that I kind of just call the intro game just mm. to, you know, I feel like we certainly jumped right into the conversation and have, I, I feel very comfortable talking to you. So it's not entirely yeah. necessary, but it might be fun for the audience just to see here how you would answer these five questions. Oh my goodness. So these, yeah. are, these are just some standard fill in the blanks. Um, okay. So it's just a series of short responses. Uh, I will let you know when the blank is and, and we'll see what you say. Sounds great. Um, question one of five. Mm. If I had to pick one, the stereotypical click that I belonged to in high school, I was probably a part of the blank. Ooh. It'd have to be like the musicians. Honestly, I was in like, I, was, <laughs> I just, okay. Little backstory. You were so nice about short. that. In, in the, yeah. in the bad, like Hollywood movie, it'd be the yeah. band nerds. The but band nerds. Musicians. Yeah. Musicians. <laughs> yeah. So and I, I know this is supposed to be short answers, but I'm going to just give no, no, a bit ahead. of context. So I love it. When I, I was, it. when I was in grade eight, I was like a tiny, I was, I didn't hit my growth spurt till grade 10. And I was in a high school where there was no middle school. So it was a grade eight to 12. So meanwhile, there's like six foot, you know, grade 12s with mustaches and all there. They look completely adult to me. I'm five foot, like 80 pounds. Right. And my parents just got divorced. So I'm a shy kid. I'm super stunned by everything that's happening in my home yeah. life. So I'm a prime target for bullying. Uh, so as a result, from that time in grade eight and nine until I hit my growth spurt and it kind of started fitting in with people, uh, I was very uh, careful not to 
uh, partake in being any any part of click in that if that makes sense because oh. i wanted to yeah, be, yeah yeah i knew what it was like to be like alienated so i was kind of friends with like i guess you know derogatory terms like the stereotypes like you say so it's nerds the band nerds like you say uh i i was able to coexist with like the skids after they kind of realized you know i'm cool enough to yeah, you know he's yeah. gonna make fun of himself so whatever he's cool uh you know the jocks i played sports so i i had you know what I mean? I was always kind of like on the outskirts of all the different cliques, but the most one that I was comfortable with and all my best friends were, were in that like little band that we had the high school band together. So that's why I would say musicians. No, I love that. And I also will pause to say like, right. I'm not advocating for these terms by all means, but those stereotypical bad things, but I love that it's actually having you on the show, somebody who actually focuses on retelling stories like that and knowing words matter. I think there's a very good reason why you said musicians, which is a richer, more legit, you know, way to (laughs) to label (laughs) that experience than I was a band nerd. I'd be shocked if you said that about yourself. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Okay, question two. Uh, I think my very, er, uh, sorry, let me start that again. Question two. I think my very earliest memory of alcohol is. Ooh, yeah. I think my very first memory of alcohol is, um, I'm about five years old. My dad is in a uh, room next door to where I'm playing with my uncle Paul. My uncle Paul is my mom's brother. And I'm noticing as time passes, it's getting louder and louder in that room. They seem to be having fun, but they're, extremely loud the music's getting turned up they're yelling at each other for some reason and i go sounds what's going on in here i go in there and it was um talk about stereotypical this is yeah i'm sure there's a lot of people that have an experience like this where they're like hey matt come here you want to try something oh, and yeah. uh and then i come over and you know they they they, they give me the uh, the coke and eat the beer that they have I remember distinctly, like I, it's, it's a pretty powerful memory that I have. Like I remember the Kokanee can and everything, the logo. And I took a sip and did like the, eh, you know, that's disgusting. How can you drink that? And they laugh and I give it back to them. And that's that. So that was my, uh, technically my first drink, even though it was, you know, a little baby sip of, of, of beer, but yeah, that would be my earliest. Time. All right. What was the brand name I heard? So if anybody heard what I heard, it's probably a Canadian brand. Uh, I heard yes. Coke and something and I was like, Coke. And I had a moment. <laughs> But clearly you were yeah. like snorting lines with your family. Yeah. No, that came later. No, I was kidding. That didn't actually happen. I'm just kidding. Uh, what, wait, so, Kokanee? Kokanee, yes. So it's a, it's, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's a, it's a BC beer, British Columbia. So okay. uh, it's got a delightful, like whimsical Sasquatch is like the, uh, the kind of the <laughs> spokesperson, which is awesome. And yeah, Kokanee is, yeah, spelled like K-O-K-A-N-E, Kokanee, something like that. Okay. No, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. I'll just share. I, I, as you were saying that I never usually think through my own answer there. Mine is like this little (laughs) slightly different, like a family (laughs) special occasion. It was probably like new year's Eve. And I had this little, it wasn't actually silver. Uh, that would make me sound like some bizarre little child prince, but it was like, (laughs) like a special, like the special baby cup or something like younger cup you would have for special occasions, but it was like, pewter or something different than I would have for like nails. And it was like this big deal for them to like pour a bit of champagne in the bottom of it. And I can like see this burned into my brain. And so that alcohol equaled like special access, special occasion or something Mm. weird to me um, where I knew I was doing something wrong or I don't know. Anyway, I don't even know what that means. I don't think I've unpacked that fully yet, but yeah, (laughs) no, that's good. The fact that it's coming to surface now, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, number three. If I was a character in an animated movie, I'd probably be played by a. Oh, so is this like an animal or is this? Uh, something it could be an animal or an object or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, like a SpongeBob kind of guy. Uh, like immediately because like I'm a huge Simpsons fan. So it'd be a Simpsons character. I would be played by which Simpsons character? <laughs> I'd be like a Simpsons character myself. Okay, that kid. Are you? Have you watched? Did you watch Simpsons growing up? I did for a while, but it's been some time. Okay. Do you remember when they stole the lemon tree? Uh, the guys from Shelby, the kids from Shelbyville stole the <laughs> no, lemon I won't tree. That. Okay. Okay. No, but go ahead. I'm sure many, and, many listeners yeah. will. Yeah. And there's like the one kid that squares off with Bart. And they, they have, like, a little tiff about, like, uh, and he keeps calling him a garbage man. He's like, I know you are, but what am I? Garbage man. I know you are, but what am I? Gar-. And so I'd be that kid. Uh, yeah, he, he kind of reminds me of, of uh, I kind of had that swagger when I was a teenager. So I'd, I'd be the lemon lemon tree episode Shelbyville kid from Simpsons. <laughs> Who kept calling him a trash oh, man. That, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Number four. Hangovers are blank. Ooh. Hangovers are not missed negation acknowledged <laughs> yes i love that very sure. uh, 100 200 300 percent that doesn't yeah. exist there with you uh okay number five last one blank is the reason i'm who i am today Ooh, i like this one give me a second i'm gonna breathe on this yeah one. it's you know it's not that. a small question <laughs> yeah that's right yeah First word that came to mind is music. Love it. Music. Through line for your life, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. Definitely. All right. Thank you for putting up with those. I, 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 loved, I loved it. Um, I love hearing it. those types of questions and, and get to know games. Um, so, I mean, I guess continuing on this thread about you and, and your experiences and what's led you to things, um, it's a section that any listeners who have been listening to other episodes will will know is it's kind of the called the deeper why for me Mm. not necessarily like the big why which i know we all look for as we're on our our sober journey um but today right you're here because we ran across each other through dana crawl one of my first guests and and sort of through him but also just through the instagram alcohol-free community that uh anyone listening who, who is new to this if you're looking for a sense of community. If you're too nervous, like I was years ago and then still sort of am to go to live meetings where you're, you know, face to face with people in a room. I think a very good first step is to look up and follow hashtags on social media, like alcohol free, uh, alcohol free living, sobriety, sober living. Um, you'll see a bunch of things from, you know, accounts like myself and and Matt through to just things that'll make you laugh and, and add a little bit of levity to the day. There's a lot of sober humor memes and, and things like yeah. that. So uh, yeah. can't, can't recommend that enough. Um, but so that's where Matt and I sort of crossed paths. Mm-hmm. So that's an obvious why you're here is I reached out and was like, Hey, and, and you said, well, yeah. be on my show and I'll be at yours and we'll do yes. this pod swap. Yeah. Um, but obviously a, a deeper reason why, why, invest time to be on someone's show to be publicly out here and talking about mm. this topic is it is it something has it changed over time like what what still pulls you towards this type of thing somewhere is 
still pulls me. Like it's it's kind of recent in in the way that I've been so outward about it. And so I'll give you a little bit of backstory on it. I'll uh, I had worked the same job for like twenty close to twenty three years. Uh, so I got hired when I was sixteen, and I just kept getting <laughs> going to the food chain from part time, you know, bakery deli closer to assistant store manager at this uh, Western Canadian uh, you know grocery chain up here. And, um, you know, and I literally grew up in the company. I learned how I was, like I said before, I was a really shy kid. So it helped me get out of my shell. You know, I learned like the team building, like I literally just from going from like part-time closer to every position seemingly in between. Right. I, I went to the bakery and ran my own crew and the bakery manager and then assistant store manager, right. And opened new stores, did the whole thing. So, you know, the parts that I, I liked the most about it uh, was like the the mentoring part, uh, which is what sort of led me to the coaching. So jumping around with that. But, um, you know, to get to get kind of in line with your question, um, I always felt when I was at that job, I had two personalities. I had like work me, work persona, and then very much different. I think a lot of people would be able to relate, relate to this. Uh, and, you know, so. I was very secretive about how much I was drinking, even to friends. You know, I was there. People are like, even friends that were very close to me were quite shocked when they realized I'd started going to AA, you know, and they're like, really? Like, you're not that bad. And what I would do is I'd have like three beer at a party intentionally tempering myself in my drinking. And then as soon as I go home, I, you know, have eight more, you know what I mean? That was right. the way I drank. I was very secretive about it. So, um, you know, I, I quit the job, um, this past January, and, and finally just said, uh, you know, initially I was going to have some overlap between, you know, I took a step back, I, I stepped down from store, uh, assistant store manager, and I was going to have some overlap as I got my coaching business going. I just found the two worlds still, especially this new me that I've spent all this time developing. It was so clashing with the old me where I was like 20 years of uh, no, like reactionary people were just like, I was so reactionary there and the nature of working retail sure a lot of people can relate to this as well it's like it's so fragmented work because it's like okay you start something then you get a call and then somebody wants to talk to you and then an angry customer it's constantly just like whoa like one thing after another and, and before you know it your day's gotten away on you and so as a result i i had a hard time integrating this whole you know okay stop pause breathe right it was very challenging to do in that kind of environment and i was also finding myself kind of my lowering my vibration to um you know, to getting into like sarcastic remarks and getting into the whole, like, oh, you see what happened in the news. And, you know, just, I was, I was very much like resonating into that territory that I didn't, I personally didn't want to resonate with. Right. So, um, yeah. So as soon as I was able to quit the job, as soon as I made the decision to quit the job, uh, I felt that I could finally come out with the extent of what I, you know, my, of my recovery and, and where I was with it. Uh, whereas before it was very guarded and, you know, uh, rewind even, uh, it's worth telling, uh, it's part of my story. Uh, my first stint of sobriety or alcohol free, uh, was, uh, 2012 to 2015. I did three years on the, on the strength of the first AA meeting I went to, which just profoundly changed me. It was just instantaneous spiritual, just like 180. It was, it was insane. Um, bad choice of words, but it, it was, it was very, uh, spiritually, um, <laughs> I do the know. same. Yeah. Right. I love that. We um, both are like, that's a horrible yeah. word. 
That's horrible. Word, but yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but um, you know, coming out of that three years of, of uh, you know, self-development and, and relearning how to do, and you've just learning how to do certain things. Right. Uh, you know, uh, but at, at that time I was very, I was still very protective over it. I, uh, as far as like who knew about it, I was doing it in secret. I was recovering in secret and pe- again, people that I told, okay, I have been going to AA. They're like, really, you didn't really need to you know, there was a, few which is my least there. favorite response, right? When you share right? something that vulnerable and someone else, yeah. I guess it's, they don't quite realize what they're doing to be like, right. you don't need that. It's like, I think you yeah. probably thought through it. You probably yeah. know what you need versus. I was, what, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, there was a, a bit of that, like there, there were still friends, like as I was, you know, uh, on my, on my path, that recovery path, they're like, oh, like after a year or something like, oh yeah, you could, I'm sure you could have a couple now. I was just like, no, man, don't, don't trust be saying me. That, it's man. my experience. Yeah. And I know, <laughs> yeah. right. But it's like, you know, and this part of them is like, they miss the, you know, the, the there's some friend. glorification there. They miss the drinking mat. Right. And that's all good. Um, you know, all good to keep it back there. I, I should, uh, I should specify that. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's what it was. I was like, I had this like protection now in hindsight, looking back into that three year of sobriety, I intentionally left the door open just that little crack because I was still curious if I coming out of that sobriety, if at some point down the road, if I could just kind of go back in and, you know, drink, have, you know, drink like a regular person and uh, show moderate, you know, the ability to show, even though like tens of millions of, of people have not been able to, you know, uh, go, go out and, and show they can do moderation. It just it fall flat on the face. I was going to be the one guy that could do it, of course. Right. Right. My, right. So my ego told me. And, uh, so, you know, that's, that's what it was. That, that was a big difference. So I, I had a relapse at my friend's wedding, my drummer's wedding, and I was a, a groomsman. So I was at the table and there was this, you know, booze coming at me all night. And, and again, because I wasn't being as protective and open as I should have been, there's that word. Um, you know, it was, I was flirting with it all night. So I was doing the, I was exposing myself to it. I'd have, I'd take a shot. I'd water the, the plant behind me with a tequila shot and pretend I took it instead of just going, Hey, I'm good. No drinks for me. Right. Yeah. So strange. Right. But I think that again, that was what leads me, leads me to think that I, I had every intention of at some point trying it again. And I did, and then did the whole, you know, uh, these attempts at moderation with these bizarre, uh, conditions that I would just blow away within a, a day or two. Like, okay, no drinks in the house. I'll only go out when I drink. And then I'd start going out like every night. I'm like, okay, no, that's not working. Hmm. How about I drink at home, but only on the weekends. And then every weekend is a four or five day weekend. Right. And I was like, okay, that didn't work. You know, I'll only drink craft beer. Cause that's twice the price of the beer I usually buy. So then I'll drink half of it. I'll leave it out, you know, out, out the room temperature. Cause I hate warm beer. Nobody drinks warm, like craft beer. Right. Me. Right. And before you know it, I've drank six warm craft beer, like in two hours by like 8 PM. And I drive to go get another six pack. Right. So every condition that I put, I would just plow right through and uh, prove that I couldn't do it. And I tried that for like another three years, you know, doing this. And then, so finally 2019, so my dad passed away, uh, right before Christmas in 2018, 66, far too young and yeah, he had been ri- living that. the rock and roll lifestyle thank you L- rock and roll lifestyle his whole life right he was a fireman but like dude like he was just he was a heavy partier his whole life from the time he was like mid teenage years till 
the day he died, right? And, uh, you know, I saw my future. I knew that I was on that road again. I had gotten, I made a choice to go back on that road. I'm like, oh, man. Okay. So that rattled me. You know, my uncle Paul, who I was telling you in that first story that he, that my dad was, was partying with when I was mm-hmm. five years old, the Kokanee story there, uh, he passed away at 55. He was a daily drinker. Um, so I'm just looking at this. I'm like, okay, and that's on both sides of my family, mom's side, dad's side. So I'm going, okay, you know, I'm turning, I'm a 37 at that point. I'm like, oh, you know, like, I think the party's over here. Like, but, you know, still continuing to try, right? Try these different things. And on my dad, on the way to my dad's uh, uh, celebration of life, uh, it's about eight hours uh, from Edmonton, where I live right now, and Prince George, where I'm from, which is a straight shot across uh, east to west, and about eight hours. And right smack dab in the middle is one of my favorite towns I've ever been to. It's Jasper. It's right in the Canadian Rockies. Beautiful, uh, quaint little town. It's like in a time capsule. So it's very 90s, nostalgic kind of look to it. It's never really been fully renovated. I, I love it. Nice. And uh, I was driving through there, a beautiful, sunny, you know, beautiful, sunny day. And uh, I felt like, nothing like void and i'm like oh what the heck like what is going on so i remember i grabbed my phone and i just needed to get that stagnant energy moving and i was just saying whatever came to my mind and just getting doing a check-in with myself essentially right and i remember very dark he was just going into like i'm i don't know what the hell i do i can't i don't know what to do i can't believe i let myself get back to the stage you know uh suicidal ideations coming up and um yeah that was the stage where i got allowed myself to get that disturbed, that really disturbed point. And then I also mentally was like, okay, so my dad's dad was a drinker. My dad was a drinker. I've been a drinker. Okay. As a, as a tribute, you know, tribute to my dad. Sorry. You know, know, I'm going to stop it right now. So it stops with me. So it's like the combination again, like super disturbed with like a a reason outside of me, a tribute to my dad. I'm on my way home to like pay respect for him. I'm all strung out. Right. And then, so I combined those two and then it was, again, it was one of those like instant shifts where I was like, okay. And you know, after that, I, I got home, I picked my brother up from the airport. It was the first time that we had been home together at Prince George in 20 years and so we did the greatest hits just going around all the different like pockets of the neighborhoods that we grew up in. And it was such a positive experience. And then I've just never looked back. So that was like, I needed some kind of event or something like that. And I think there was truly a, a spot of me like reaching out, okay, something help me. Like I need some help here. And I, and I got it and just, Amazing. you know, combine it. And that was so, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> finally you get to the, your, your, your question. Um, no, no, no. I, um, that is how I've come sort of full circle and just realized like, it's important for me at this stage in my life to come out with it, you know, and now it's, uh, it's been so rewarding and so therapeutic and cathartic, uh, that I don't, uh, feel the need to, uh, hide it or change the story or diminish it. Or, you know what I mean? Like all these different things I was doing, avoiding it. Right. So it's all about just being authentically me or finding authentic me. And, uh, you know, I, I always, I liken it to, I'm, I'm doing a lot of, and I, I'm, I want to ask you this question after I get through this, but yeah, doing a lot of, uh, thinking about, okay, what creates authenticity? Cause everybody says your authentic self. And it's kind of one of these buzzwords that I guess used, uh, rather liberally. And for me, it's like, I, it's, it's that one phrase about like Michelangelo's David. Somebody asked him, how did you know, or how did you know what to do with David? And he said, like, I just simply removed everything until, David appeared basically. Right. So I feel like I'm in that process of like removing 
things mm-hmm. like removing emotions or emotionally memories, uh, things I've been storing and hanging on to or repressing and avoiding and pushing down. And I'm like allowing that to come up and removing it. And then as a result, my authentic self will be all that's left. So we're talking about like negations and, and things. In this case, it's good because removal is bringing me closer to who I truly am, right? And so, yeah, yeah that's kind of the process. I, you know, and I think that resonate with some folks too. Like, it's easy to say what you don't like sometimes. Like, if you, what's your dream job, Lou? Uh-oh, certainly time. not this or right? this yeah. and the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then if you can focus on what you don't like, well, I know what my dream job isn't. Yep. And then you can start, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like that. Like, what's my get to do though, right? What's my get yes. to do job yeah. versus my, what I don't want to do. That makes 100%, sense. 100%. Um, so, yeah. It's funny. And I swear I didn't plan this, but if your, your question about authenticity seems to set up sort of the next thing that I usually like to, to get into, mm. um, because perhaps this, is a framework to think about that. Um, and I'll, I'll see how you feel about it once we, once we talk about it. But before yeah. we go into that section, I wanted to take a minute just to, if you don't mind me saying two things with your story there that I find incredibly inspirational. I mean, one, not just being present to realize when for you enough was enough that you wanted to build something different. And you, you mentioned the, the weekend, I think you said a full weekend with your brother. Um, I love that that was helpful. Me listening to that, I panicked and thought, oh God, you were going to be in all these places where maybe you guys drank, but it sounds like it was more your brother growing up, good places, good memory, recharging your battery in a nostalgic sense, right? That, it was. You nodding your head. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely. It was much, uh, yeah, 100%. And then yeah. The, the other thing is for sure, um, early on you mentioned the, and congratulations on on deciding to leave a position and then yeah. pursue this full time. That is a big life changing, like milestone. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah, um, what I, what inspired me about that and tell me if I'm coloring this wrong is it felt like you knew that the work, not only on yourself and what you want to be doing on your sobriety journey, but also what you're coaching others to do is to take off the armor of life to a degree and work on what's underneath there not dissolve it, maybe learn when you need it, when you don't, et cetera, et cetera. However, we want to like visualize that. But yeah. I, I, what's inspiring is it sounds like you knew for yourself, okay, this job, there's a personality that I take on. There's a dynamic where I do need armor because many of us do realistically mm-hmm. in a professional setting. Um, I just love that you were like, I want to work on what's inside the armor for a while. I'm just not going to put myself in this situation. That's how I took that. Does that, is that yeah. fair? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. It's uh, and you know what? I still have uh, instances of, you know, the, what I call like my work persona, which is yep. there's elements of me, but it's been elements that have been sort of conditioned by experiences that I've had. Right. So, uh, you know, I have like one liners for certain customers, right. I have sc- almost scripted, you know, a dialogue that I, I use in certain situations. Right. So in that sense, I never felt like it was truly, uh, authentic. It was very just sort of reactionary, um, you know, uh, paint by numbers management 101. I would put my own, don't get me wrong. I put my own flavor and some dialogue in it and such, but at the end of the day, there's only, uh, you know, a handful of ways to deal with a certain, you know, customer complaint or a certain person's coming to you with some drama. Right. So it's, it, um, and at the, also at the end of the day, I'm representing the company as opposed to just myself. So there's a little bit of parameters that come in that way as well. Right. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it was, um, 
you know, I, I just felt, yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it. It definitely had come to that stage where I just kind of felt like I'd reached the outer shell of what I was capable in that job. And as a result, I was kind of trapped in a lot of ways. Like, um, you know, it was a little bit the golden handshake. I realized, uh, you know, I had, um, I was experiencing life in, in, we had, you know, Darcy and I had got the hot tub. We did the pop top camper van all these great, great things. But then realizing that along with that comes all these extra bills. And now I have to maintain, I can't, I can't step down, right? I don't have any wiggle room. I got to maintain that position I'm at or keep going up. And at that stage, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to keep going up, but you know, I, we've done all the, we've committed to all this other stuff, right? So that kind of aired out a little bit over, I'd say about five years. And then it was just like, I kind of really resonated with me when Jim Carrey was talking about that. He's like, he had a quote. Now I'm paraphrasing my really bad at remembering word for word quotes, but something along the lines of, you know, I hope everybody gets to the stage where they have like all the money they could have ever dreamed for because then they realize that it's, that's not the answer. Right. So I was kind of like, I was like, mm, I yep. that, yeah, that resonated with me. And I wasn't quite entirely sure why until I'd experienced all that, there was all these different things that we, you know, um, external stimulus or like, uh, external goals that we were hitting. And yet I was still, you know, it was like, it was great for a week or two. And then like the other side of it that you didn't really account for was all this other extra energy and baggage that kind of comes along with it that makes you feel trapped. Right. And that's what it was. So I was, I was definitely feeling trapped and uh, you know, a lot of like, okay, I've seen this movie before I've, I've, I've been challenged this way. I felt um, bordering on complacency. I'm really careful about, again, I just have a curious and enthusiastic nature to me so I can always find things to get excited about and learn. I'm a lifelong learner, but I was finding that it was getting like smaller and smaller, my world, uh, that, you know, that was in there. And, um, yeah. So that's, yeah, for sure. It was, you, I love you it. You extricated yourself. Definitely. You got out of that. That's got out of it. And yeah, like when you're talking about, yeah, the inner, the inner work, that's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's so huge. And, um, you know, I didn't realize to the extent of how much, uh, is emotional, stuff I hadn't, I had never, hadn't developed, uh, right. how much, uh, distractions, how many, how much distractions were being used to, um, you know, push things down. And this is just like the last year I've been working on this. Like if I have a feeling of loneliness or something, yeah, you know, I'll just check my cell phone. Right. You know, things like this, I, I've, I was very, I become very prone to distraction and I'm really conscientious about that. And I'm very conscious and aware of that now. Uh, and where I'm like, okay, if I'm having that, like, you know, kind of like, Ooh, that fitty kind of feeling I'll, instead of like avoiding it or pushing it down or checking email for the drinking time, it away, drinking yeah. it away. Right. And I guess that's the, yeah, I should, I should be clear with that. The, the drinking was replaced by just more of the doer achiever energy t turned up. So I, I wasn't giving myself, um, enough time to. I don't know. I didn't know how to relax, man. I didn't. I, my, my relaxing is if I had six hours and there was nothing really to do, I caught up on everything. That's prime time to go get a six pack and just like quote unquote, relax and just drink my face off right in the hot tub or something like that. Right. So yeah. when I didn't have that and I'm just sitting in the hot tub, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I would, I would, yeah, that's why I've just had my cell phone out there the whole time, scrolling through things, right. Doing the doom scroll. So yeah, that was, um, at, Thanks for you. You, you tip me in, in uh, uh, something that's very worth mentioning. The difference yeah. between sobriety stint number one, the 2012 to 2015, and this current one that I'm on. 
uh, was, um, you know, it's, I miss that reckless, like, you know, the exclamation point at the end of the day or the, ah, you know, like the drinking came. And I was like, I, I thought, okay, I needed to figure out a way to satiate that. Whether I'm like, do I need to join a fight club? Like, what do I need to do here to get that adrenaline done? <laughs> right, 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 right. Where this second time around, and this was what ties into the relaxation thing, is I realized it's like the opposite energy of what I thought it was going to be. So I started getting into more like yin energy. So meditation, yin yoga, um, you know, learning how to properly like actively relax, I call it, right? Or like reading and different things like that, that like I can just relax, you know, and, and, and take in, you know, what's the, go, I'll just go outside and just like sit yeah. there and watch the clouds. And if I feel like it, I'll have some sound therapy in my, my ears or whatever. And, and, you know, so that was, and then all of a sudden that like sort of almost a counterintuitive of opposite energy is what removed that like that need for like reckless stupid like stuff. You know, careless behavior yeah so that was i love uh, that, that you was... brought that up only because um i know we are going to talk about the authenticity thing but to jump around yes. a little bit one of the the real through lines right of this whole show why it's called if you're a first-time listener why this is called gangly flamingo podcast i think still a lot of people are like what the hell is that is it just a silly name or what is that yeah for me it has a very specific purpose and what i've loved is i think with each guest that i speak with i get a different perspective on on this dynamic so gangly flamingo for me was very specific to needing to embrace how fish out of water i felt mm. how awkward and flailing when i stopped drinking and I needed to be in social situations. Mm. Uh, even just leaving my apartment to like go to a museum where in the past, my whole day would know that I would end up drinking with friends. I would end up at this oasis of putting aside my anxiety, which I didn't even know was anxiety, right? That anxiety had built up to such a constant din that it, I didn't even know it was there, but it was there all the time. Um, so when I stopped and I suddenly was like, Ooh, I just need to like, do normal things and be around people and, and try and, and get past this really strangling fear of being boring, of being not engaging. That's sort of the yeah. same thing, but like, like who you know, finding who the hell I am. So that was my gangly flamingo. And that was very specific, but the more people I talked to, um, Dana crawl, um, my first guest in episode three expanded my view of what that was because it sounds like it's potentially similar with you. And, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm going to ask you what your gangly flamingo is. But yeah. why I thought of this was because you said when you suddenly had time to fill, there was some level of discomfort or I'm going to call it gangliness. Like something was going on where you were like, yeah. I need a six pack to fill the time. Yeah. It, was that your gangly flamingo? Like, and, and when you stopped drinking, let me clarify the question because I know this can get all over the place. Yeah. What I want to ask is like, when you stopped, what situations did that gangly flamingo show up? Where did you need to really embrace being uncomfortable until you got through it so that you didn't need the yeah. booze in that situation? Was it when yeah. you were alone? Was it yeah. in certain things or yeah for sure so there's definitely a few of them it's a really uh really excellent question and i love the the way you framed it and all that and i i did not know that's why it was called <laughs> for Gangly 25 Flamingo. minutes yeah but yeah it's a long setup but yeah that's that's yeah. the name that's why if you're a first time yeah. listener that's that's the gangly flamingo it's because i yelled it at myself once when i needed to get outside um ah. i literally stopped in my kitchen and and because i had gotten all dressed and i was going to go but then i was like 
I could just watch a movie by myself and just not go outside. But I was like, oh, you're just shying away from being awkward because you don't know how to behave without a drink in your hand. Right. And so I yelled, be the gangly flamingo. And then I laughed and was like, what the fuck is that? But I like it. And it became the whole thing. So anyway, I'll let you, I'll let you answer. Like you said a few situations maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely the alone thing, uh, just because I, I was so comfortable that was one of my, like my, that was my jam, right? Like, that's why like I mentioned earlier in the, in our interview, that was like my, com- my escape, you know, my escape is my, my comfort zone. I would purposely yeah. drink like two beers at a party and then I'd have like eight or 10 waiting for me at home. So absolutely. There's like this collapsed distinction between drinking and relaxation. Like they were one in the same. So absolutely. That was a, that was a big one for me. The social sh- situations I, I very much get cause I'm like a naturally introverted person so right from like day one of drinking, one of the main reasons I used it in the first place was so I could go out to social situations and that very much carried over well into my, you know, adulthood. So the social setting, even now, like I'm comfortable with uncomfortable enough that I can go do it, but, uh, I much rather have one-on-one versus like being in a crowd of people. I have a hard time like mingling, like going from person to person. I'll just kind of stay with one person for like half hour until they leave. I'm like, oh, gotta find somebody else now. You know what right, I mean? Right, so right. yeah, so those are those two for sure. Um, those are the first two that come to mind. Yeah, I would say those are yeah. both. Now, if I were to rank one over the other, I would think it would be the alone one was was the uh, the dragon to, to slay for sure for me. Um, yeah, that had more like charge to it. Whereas the social thing is like still a work in progress, regardless if I have a drink in my hand. And I, I, I feel that's kind of natural. Like, unless you are one of those like party hosts, minglers, I think there's always a degree of like awkwardness, right? Especially coming out of the time that we just, you know, that we, that we're in, you know, coming out of a three year, you know, pandemic yep. hibernation, man, I'm going, I'm having my first like backyard barbecue, you know, a couple of days ago, that was a little bit different. It was fun, but I was like, ah, I'm out of practice. You know what I mean? I can spend a couple minutes exchanging energy with somebody that's like two feet away from me versus like you and I having a like two hour interview, no problem. Right. Right. It's right. just a different energy. So yeah, well, yeah, that, that would be my, my answer for sure. Excellent. No, that's an excellent answer. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And it's one of my joys of doing this is to, to be exposed to the different the different dynamics for everyone. Um, because yeah, it sounds like we're very similar in that group setting scenario, but what, what kind of blew my mind was to hear from a guest that in social situations, the booze was being used not to open up and feel a little bit freer, but to that he felt a little too awkward and hyper sober and he used the booze to center himself so it was still oh. being used right that's yeah. not if you're anything yeah. like me that it's like blue, i was like what that's opposite day but like yeah. i had to respect and be like wow that that's fascinating it's still problematic because it's being used to an end right you're using right. it and therefore it leads to overusing it and abusing it and everything else um so i would i would just again i conscious of you dear listener uh, or watcher if you know i am not a coach by any means but this this gangly flamingo dynamic if if what matt and i are talking about resonates with you or makes you think of what yours might be in your life and and if that helps you on this journey say oh yeah this is this is where i feel most awkward without it it may lead you to see what you're using it for and at least in my experience although it it's awful being that gangly flamingo and trying to embrace that 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 awkwardness i think forcing yourself to be to endure that discomfort 
will help you grow past it is what I'm offering. You know, yeah. as, does that no. work? Like, does that well sound put. good to you, Matt? Does that work? It does. Kind of like your no, view? Great advice. Yeah, for sure. And again, it's like a, a lot of this of like recovery is becoming aware of shadow. Like you're, yeah. it's like a lot of shadow work, right? And so for you to uh, to identify it and be able to uh, be that specific about it and have kind of a fun, you know, a fun name to it. Like like you say, like we even talked about like in the Instagram community, there's lots of like sober memes. You need that. You're, this is like, you can get some, this can get pretty dark, right? So you yeah. need that little bit of uh, yin to the yang, right? For sure. No, I think, yeah, well put for sure. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny. I, I mentioned in the last episode, sometimes I, I literally feel in my head like, very Roger Rabbit that in these situations, I just become this animated freaking flamingo because I feel like out of control until yeah. I can bring it back in, you know, yeah. but I embrace that. Like that's something that I should, like you said, be very present and aware of. Um, yeah. And then you can work through it, you know, yeah. make friends with it, even, you know, use it, have fun with it a little bit. That's right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so the authenticity question. Um, yeah. Uh, I wanted to, to check in and this may or may not be a good framework for you, uh, or me or anyone listening. So uh, a standard segment on the show, it's one that I, I really love because I'll, I'll set it up a little bit for you. Um, I provided Matt with a list of, I think it's 33 different, um, sort of big themes, traits, values. And again, if you're a, a standard listener, you're, you're aware of this. If you're new, you, you have to look through this list and try to get down to the four. So Matt, don't panic if you don't remember what you selected. We, uh, we, it was a few weeks ago, yeah, but I have them okay. here and I'll read okay. them for you. No, no worries at yeah, all. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Matt selected four and then I'll share mine. And, you know, actually there's no reason to, to not set the, the full thing up. One way that I like to think about it is this, this gives you not only what you, what jumps out at you from this list of, of things as being important to you in your life. Mm. But for me, I felt like this, this task went further to say, how can I look at how abusing alcohol was either manipulating, undermining, skewing that whole relationship, being an obstacle, cutting me off from the source of these things. Mm. Um, and so for me, I haven't thought of it in terms of authenticity before today, when you asked me, what is this authenticity? I feel like I'm most authentic when I am connected to these four things that I chose anyway. And I'm mm. curious if when I read nice. them to you, Matt, your authenticity might be defined not always, but a particular way of looking at it, right? One one framework could be when you are not connected to these four, maybe you're not being as authentically you as you could be. Um, something to yeah. think about. Uh, so here's the four that Matt selected. Uh, curiosity, which is interesting because you've said curiosity, I think, uh, uh, multiple times today. Not that yeah. you're repeating yourself by any means, but I, like it's yep. a common thread, I think, in what you're saying. Definitely. I can uh, see so that. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, creativity. Mm -hmm. I have that bolded because it overlaps with one that I selected. We both selected creativity. Nice. Uh, love. Just love. Just that Just that small theme in our lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no big deal, you know? Yeah. Love. Excellent. Yeah. I think it's telling that I didn't select it. What does that say about me? <laughs> uh, love. Uh, so again, curiosity, creativity, love. And then the last one was excitement. Mm. I think that's very cool. Yeah. So I, I guess how was, if you remember, and if not, that's fine. But like, mm -hmm. how was it selecting those four? Was it difficult? Or if you don't remember and you hearing them now after a few weeks, 
how are they hitting you? They still true, obviously yeah. I'm guessing, but how do you feel? Yeah, for sure. I would, I would, I would, uh, I could see like excitement, novelty. I mean, they basically were the same, same meaning. Uh, yeah. Adventure. Yeah. So I could, I would, I might change that, uh, but like it's same meaning, but different word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything yep. else. Yeah, absolutely. Curiosity, um, creativity, yeah. love, love. Yeah. And then I'd call it adventure. Excite. I like we'll keep it with excitement. That's a, that's yeah. what I, that's what I had down. So let's keep it. Does any of those four, if you think about when you were using alcohol, do you feel like alcohol, does, does one of them jump out as, yeah, it was really wrecking my relationship with, was it curiosity, yeah. creativity, love, excitement? Yeah. Um, love for sure. Like, and the way it was, it was, I was very conditional. I had expectations of myself, of people. Uh, so my affection would have conditions, right? And, mm -hmm. and if the conditions weren't met, then I would be, I would kind of back away. I would get in my head about it. I would be passive aggressive. Uh, so it's been a, a long road for me to learn what like unconditional love is and feels like and experience it. And, you know, that was like, so like a learned behavior. I had a lot of, you know, uh, conditional, um, affection or attention from, uh, one of my parents will say, uh, more than, yeah, more than the other. And, uh, and that, that carried over. I, I very much took that, that, uh, that jacket and, and I, I took it and put it on and I wore it into my adulthood. So yeah, love was definitely, uh, affected in that way. Right. I still could feel it, but it was very, you know, conditional. Right. Um, if you don't mind me delving yeah. into that, was the alcohol, was that something you were doing anyway and the alcohol was preventing you from addressing it or was the alcohol causing that dynamic like do you i mean maybe that's too deep of a question but i would think a little bit of both like yeah. i think it was you know it's in one hand it was um amplifying that within me and uh and then on the other side of it because it is just the nature of it being kind of a depressant and you yeah. know this reaction with me and my brain and such uh was definitely also feeding into it so i would say a little bit of both actually okay all right. No, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I like to poor audience, if you've now heard these a few times, but like for you, Matt, you haven't, uh, the four that I have, we both have creativity, but just, you know, so I can also be in the spotlight with you and, and more, not in the spotlight, but more like skin in the game. Like you're not the only one sweating it out with the values is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, sincerity, peace, innovation, and creativity. Um, cool. and for me, right. Sincerity was, was a major one because right? Talk about being authentic. I just felt like, although it, although some people call right sobriety, the truth serum, right? No. And you're drunk and you say something, it's what you actually mean. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe an ounce of something true in that, but mostly I would say you're putting on, at least me, I'm, I'm amplifying things or distorting parts of my character to such an extent that it felt like freedom to me. It felt like I buried anxiety down deep, but I certainly never felt sincere. You know, right. Yeah. I never I felt like that. I was listening to someone, you know, for, for me, especially, I think we've touched on like me as like a, a gay man growing up young and being like a little party monster way back when I wasn't listening. I was using alcohol to be comfortable, to go flirt or find who the hot guy was in the room. Like it was an entirely, I was not present with my friends. It was an expectation right. that we'd all get fucked up so that we all didn't have to listen to each other. Like it was right. very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good point. It's a good uh, <sighs> Yeah, it's a good uh, way of looking at it. Very true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. cool. Thank you. 
Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. I like that. No, no, absolutely. Uh, so, dear listener, we're probably going to uh, start to, to wind down fairly soon, but but not yet. I don't want to skip one of my favorite parts of the show. Just to, after we got to Nomad and, and went a little deeper with the, the values and, and conversation about authenticity, uh, just a little bit of a fun section of the show. And I don't know if Matt knows what's coming next, but uh, I call this Booze Libs for anyone who's listened before. Booze libs. And cool. booze libs, what I like to do in this section, it's twofold. It's not just to sort of poke a little fun at big alcohol, uh, play a little bit of what it sounds like, Mad Libs type of, of game, but it's also just to draw a little bit of attention each episode to how prevalent alcohol is in mass media in the way that we are conditioned to go to it to celebrate, go to it to mourn, go to it to not be bored, as Matt mentioned, like mm. so many things um, that if you're new to this journey, I just want you to hear from us. Um, you're going to hear it from others on this path. It's all over the place. So don't give up your agency. Don't say though, it was entirely all everyone else's fault, but just know that you're not surrounded by the most supportive environment in our culture. <laughs> like yes. it's, yes. it's difficult for a reason. That's all I want to say. So I'm hoping yes. this makes everybody smile a little bit and also draw some attention because what I do is I find a vintage print ad of an alcohol ad. Yes. And what I do is I go in and, and very conveniently and creatively blank out words. And then all I do is I provide Matt a list of word types that I need, right? Anyway, everyone's <laughs> probably played Mad Libs at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what I do. And so what I'll do is I'll read the short print ad co-written by Matt Gardner <laughs> were certain things. And I particularly yeah. love this one because I just not, I don't usually say this, but this one really goes into this, this abstract, bizarre place. And I just think it's hilarious. So I will oh, quickly great. read it. I will yes. quickly read it through. Uh, oh, we'll it. talk about it. And then I, I will quickly read the actual copy with the brand name blanked out because yes. Mark doesn't need to be sued. Yeah. I, I have no idea if this company still exists, but you never know. <laughs> okay. Briefly. Here is the ad. <clears throat> Old hyena's good taste begins with men who love to work with their legs. A flaw in a barrel can spoil the tree of our country bourbon. So before we put a drop of old hyena into an Albert Einstein for eating, assistant supervisor Mustard Torsahoff runs his fingers over the oak wood, feeling for eyeballs. Making bourbon, which tastes exuberant, bottle after bottle, made old hyena famous. Back in 1981, our people whispered the formula that took bourbon making out of the hit or miss category. They made that formula by weenus. We'll get back to that, folks, if you're wondering what the hell that is. They made that formula by weenus. We still use our weenus in making old hyena. After work, after work, most of our men keep on using their weenus. Mustard Torsahoff calls on the same craftsmanship attempting over our barrel assembly as he does collecting this Hawaii. Oh, yes. For a set of Rocky Mountains, write to Old Hyena, Box 3, Botman, Jupiter. Yes. 
Oh, so good. Oh, man. I was about to ruin the audio. I was like choking back, just hysterical <laughs> laughter. That was amazing. That was so good. Wow. That went so, very weird. We you very educated weird. me on weenus, folks. Yeah. It's not what you think it is, probably. It is what it is. Yeah. It's oh yeah, a little bit, a little, it's a little bit of uh, dried skin on your elbow. Yeah, that yeah. is a weenus. A weenus, yes. I didn't know that. The alternate well spelling is actually exactly like you know penis with with a W though. With a, like you know, I'm gonna have the the uh, clean it up a little bit with the alternate spelling. You know, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So honestly, I probably won't even. Uh, what time is it? You know, I'll read through it just because again, like that's the fun version. But I think yes. once we have that, that ridiculous version, just listen to how overblown this copy is for the, the actual version, right? Because yeah. it, it really is taking right this artisanal craftsmanship work. Like it's a fucking grandfather clock and not an alcohol. Yeah. Um, so here's, I'll read it quickly, right? That's a to waste too much time. But again, I'm going to, I'm going to just, uh, I'll, I'll call it old cow to just like, yes, not actually use the brand name. Uh, old cow's good taste begins with men who love to work with their hands. A flaw in a barrel can spoil the taste of our country bourbon. So before we put a drop of old cow into a barrel for aging, assistant supervisor, Arthur Yates. I just love that this is a real dude they're calling out. And the print ad has this dude like running his fingers over this wooden piece of whatever the hell it is. I can imagine. Uh, so Mr. Arthur Yates runs his hands over the oak wood, feeling for imperfections, making bourbon, which tastes good. Bottle after bottle made old cow famous. Back in 1835, our people figured out the formula that took bourbon making, sorry, that took bourbon making out of the hit or miss category. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Uh, they made the, they made the formula by hand, not weenus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We still use our hands in making old crow. After the work, most of our men keep on using their hands. Blah, blah. I'm just not even going to finish it. You just hear how like, yeah. there's this this wow. crazy, Yeah, I think it's such overblown then, copywriting. What, what is it? Arthur Ye Yates? Arthur Yates. Uh, Arthur Yates. I'll probably hear from his just... great grandson or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm Arthur Yates the third. <laughs> I did not appreciate the joke. <laughs> I did not qualify this. Yeah, down immediately. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, that's tremendous. That's a really I love that segment, man. So good. That was great. I'm like, what are you up to when you're asking me all these? Like, hmm, what is what is he? I love the curiosity because I was like, oh, I don't think he knows what this is. Brilliant. No, no, I did not. I love it. I love it. Excellent, excellent. Um, thank you for putting up with that. I hope you enjoyed it, audience. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite little bits. Amazing. I like to. Yeah, Sorry, one I, thing I, I just going to interject. I like the uh, was it mail away for your Rocky Mountains or something? Real? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the real thing. I I, I stopped before yeah. that. They yeah. they basically said uh, Arthur Yates again yeah. uh, calls on the same craftsmanship watching over our barrel assembly for a set of refinishing plans. So he like oh. they they have you write into this company and they send you refinishing plans for how to like refinish a chair or something like that. Wow, what a bonus that is, eh? Well, yeah. It's like, yeah. Some directions don't refinish. You bolster your sofa. <laughs> I don't want to touch, I don't want to sand down and refinish furniture when I'm plastered, personally. Yeah. I don't know right? what the fuck that's going to One of the like. last things I'd want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. Oh. I made it into a bong. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I was drunk when I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't smoke anybody. I don't smoke. I don't, I don't think you should. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. There we go. Different, different topic. Yeah, um, yeah. I sound so prudish. I'm, I'm really not. Okay. 
Um, so winding down in, in our final maybe 10 minutes or so, um, I guess it's sort of a typical question, Matt, you know, you, you work and coach so many folks in, in the recovery space and, and talk to them, but like final thoughts for those who say, say folks, someone's listening to this right now. And although we're in like good spirits right now, and I, I hope it's helping them be in good spirits, but if they're really mm. struggling with a particular part of this, do you remember when you may have been in a dark, like struggling point? Was there any guidance, anything that might've gotten you through something you did in particular? Yeah, the right, main, it's quite a change-up question, if you don't mind. For sure, yeah, we're we're switching gears. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know the yeah the, uh, the main thing for me, and you know, I I, I always hearken back to uh, there's a, a TED talk that I really like that really oh, okay. landed with me, and it was uh, it's it's I forget what the title is, but the the subtitle or what the guy says is the opposite of addiction is not recovery. The opposite of addiction is connection. And I was like, ah, you know what? That so incredibly makes sense to me. And so that was my experience is, uh, you know, thinking that I was, I felt very alone and I'd made myself yeah. alone. And, and as soon as I got into uh, that AA meeting and realized, you know, and back to the, the sort of recurring theme of authenticity, yep. you know, and, and, and dropping personas and such, that's, that's where that first experience that I had something like that was, was, was and that was simply the guy had just started, he said like two words and just being in the room with that energy, with that idea of, of I can be myself here and I can drop, I can put the, put, you know, put the, the hands down. I don't have to fight anymore. Uh, it was literally changed my life and saved my life. So that would be my, my advice is, is, uh, and you know, like we've talked about before the Instagram alcohol, free sobriety, whatever yep. recovery, whatever you want to call it is amazing. And it's plentiful. There's so many wonderful people uh, to meet. And then that way you don't have to, uh, you know, worry if you're a little bit uh, worried about going out to, you know, to in-person meetings. Uh, just the Reddit community is amazing. Uh, if you want to be even like less personable, you can kind of just have your, your words in there. There's many different options, but uh, get connected and realize, okay, I'll, I'll put it as, this is a little story I like to use as well. It's like, you know, when, I, when I'm in a room, and I kind of like, or like I'm telling somebody in there, I'm like, it's kind of like, yeah, so like I did, I, I did this, like I ate, I ate the, the dirt under the bleachers for the beer because I, I was so hard up. And then the guy's like, and then somebody will pull back and be like, that was my Wednesday morning, man. And it's just like, it just, this shameful memory or emotion that you've had that you've been holding on to and you're just like trying to hide it. And then to have a release of somebody be like, reflect it back to you and be like, oh, I, dude, been there. You know what I mean? To have that like camaraderie and that moment of connection and realize that, oh man, okay. It's just like such a relieving and releasing feeling. And to turn that energy from shame to laughter or crying and have that release and have it dissolve and finally like get the energetic, you know, uh, part of you out and everything. And it's just, it's life. It's literally life-changing and life-saving. So that would be my, my like key you know, nugget of advice if I could Excellent. give just one. Yeah. I love it. Thank you very much for sharing that. And yeah. you know what? I'm going to look for, I think we watched the same Ted talk and I'm going to try, I'm going to try to find it. If this rings a bell, it was very enlightening to me. I think it, it highlighted an approach of true connection for not just folks addicted to or abusing alcohol, but drug addiction. And it was, I think, highlighting something I want to say in Norway or yes. one of the Scandinavian countries that took a very, what 
I think Americans and potentially Canadians, much more American, but Canadians are probably trying it or cool with it, with it than Americans would be. Yeah. Um, Cause Canadians rock. Um, but like, <laughs> Thanks. but you know what I mean? Like a very alternative to at least how America has approached uh, drug addiction and everything else, but a very get them ingrained in, in connected with people in the mm. community and society do the opposite. Don't ostracize and, and, and deny them. Um, totally. And it, I, I bet you it was the same one. I'm going to run it past That's, you, and then maybe I'll post it in the episode notes for folks. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I'm, that totally rings a bell. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain. But yeah, mind yeah. you, I've watched like so many TED Talks. Right, I don't right, know if you're, exactly. I love yeah, run TED Talks, man. Love them, love them. But yeah, yeah, that that rings a bell for sure. So excellent. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, all right. Well, I guess we are going to then close down. I guess uh, two questions though. <laughs> like close down two questions. Quick questions. <laughs> Um, yeah. one, if there was anything you've been burning to, to say or something that came up, any, anything? If not, yeah. Anything? Let me think. I, so I wanted to actually give my, um, my interpretation of what authenticity is. Cause, and oh, I, I was going to ask you about yours as well. So, cause this has been, that has been my burning, uh, you know, burning subject that I've been really picking yeah. apart recently. No, and I apologize so, if I like jumped over that before with the No, values. no, we were, it seemed like we we're kind of dancing around it. We <laughs> did talk about it in, in different sections. So I, I think it's kind of cool that we can, you know, come to it at the end here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a good mentor of mine, I'd, I'd been like, I'd been asking people, cause I'm like, obviously I know the, the Webster's dictionary definition of it, which is amazing by the way. So authenticity or authentic is uh, um, of undisputed origin. I'm like, Ooh, I kind of like that. So that that's epic, right? But um, so I'm like, okay, well, what what is authenticity, right? And it's um, I remember a, a mentor of mine said, you know, it's it's I don't know, ex I can't exactly verbalize what it is, but I know what creates it, and what it is is safety, security, right? And that's what those uh, again to circle back to the connection, the rooms. When you feel safe, you can drop the armor. We talked about the armor earlier. You can be authentic. So for me, my view, if I could use like a, a visual. Uh, authenticity for me, if I'm being authentic, I'm speaking like right out of my heart and it's a straight line and it's, it's, just, it's, it's beautiful and it's straight versus if I'm speaking through ego or a persona or a need to impress somebody, it hits something on the way out and it kind of either fragments or it gets distorted on the way out. And then I know I'm not being authentic for whatever reason, if I'm trying to, you know, again, impress, if there's like a need of the ego or fear, there's going to mm -hmm. be some distortion as that, as that authenticity ray comes out of my heart. That's my, uh, my latest interpretation of it. I'm curious as to what your, uh, what yeah. you would define authenticity to you. As you were just speaking about that, it, it felt very much like we have almost the same view of it, I think, because I was trying to think through, you said the dic dictionary definition was of undisputed origin, right? Yes. Um, and I feel like if I'm being authentic, it's funny, my mind put that aside, thought about what it was, and then realized they're sort of connected, I think. When I'm being authentic, there's no distortion, like you were saying, between what I intend to express and what I have mm. expressed. From what mm. I feel, I think you said from your heart, which, yeah, yes. same thing. I think we're saying the yeah. same thing. It's like, if yeah. I... Because if we think about it from the authenticity part, like you said, of undisputed origin, whatever thought, once it's outside of me, that mm -hmm. somebody interprets and has in their hands, so to speak, if you can say undisputedly that it came from my honest opinion and feelings, and there wasn't this distortion of, like you said, ego or a flat out lie or... It's interesting. This gets into tricky territory. Even yeah. 
even trying to be kind, like I think there are good distortions, yep. like there's yep. ways to position things, but that that's maybe a whole nother bag of, of questions and tricks because I do think that there's also authenticity that can be when we truly get angry or we truly feel something that in retrospect, maybe a day or two later was just a natural animalistic instinct, which is still true, which is still right. valid. Yeah. Um, there can be, it's not negative. There can be combative though, or, or conflicting. I don't know where I'm, do you see where I'm trying to go? Like I do. I do. Like you may want to go back and temper some of those things after they're out, but maybe authentically yeah. you really were angry or authentically right. really in the moment it was heated. Yeah. Well, I like what you, it, yeah. Like when you're getting into the thought of, um, you know, that you're, you're being inauthentic under the guise that you're trying to either soften a message or be kind. Right. Mm -hmm. So otherwise you would have been super blunt, but you have the other person's emotions in there. So there is a little bit of a curvature, like a little softening towards the end by the time it hits right. them. Right. Totally understand that. And yeah, like, I mean, so yeah, where does authenticity of like the bluntness of the immediacy of like undisputed origin, you know, where does that kind of end versus where there is a little bit of a, and it could be just yeah. a bit of a softening, but does that mean it's not authentic? Right. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, that's why it's kind of tricky, it's right? Good. When you actually yeah, get into yeah. the actual definition. Cause we were socialized, right. If we yeah. didn't, you know, for better or worse, and I feel like we have to unlearn a lot of it, but where do you yeah. stop and where is that line? Because yeah, I, I right. feel like it's almost a, a movie character, somebody who is ultra like those movies where somebody can't lie for example yes the trouble yes. somebody gets into because it's just there is no social yeah. filter right. like ah, so okay so like yeah that's a great that's perfect now we've like yeah you've you've characterized it so does that mean does that perf is that person being authentic then by by doing that and then look at all the fallout that that happens around it right because is, is, yeah. is that is that truly me. authentic is that like no filter authenticity i think it's closer Hmm. This gets, right. this gets deep. It's probably much, I think of it in percentages. It's like 90, probably 98% or 95% authentic. There's probably other ways to be inauthentic that don't require you to lie. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yes. there's other, other ways or, to distort it maybe. Or if your authentic self is to be, to harmonize with people and not offend somebody and you do soften the message is it, that would still be authentic then wouldn't it even though you have you know sculpted it a little bit or customized it to that person because that's interpersonal sensitivity so with in that framework can you still be i don't know it yeah it's, still it's, reflects it's, that it's what you felt and it's right. not changing your feeling yeah you know what and i'm it, gonna that's kind of perfect listeners if you are listening to this and you're like very passionate about what you think this authentic question is, uh, I want you to sound off on social media, please. Um, please do. You know where to find Matt and I. Uh, I will have those things in the episode notes as well, but please do like engage us. I think Matt, if you don't yes. mind, like let us of know. Course. I, I think that would be fantastic. Love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay, cool. cool. I think we will um, then close the show. Matt, I can't thank you enough. Um, you. This was wonderful. I look forward to being on your show. Yes. Uh, your show is called what again? So Beyond Recovery, and yeah, you can find it, same thing. It's on a, my YouTube channel that um, Mark had mentioned at the beginning, uh, Matt Gardner Live. And yeah, you can find it on any streaming, uh, I was going to say surfaces. Uh, what's the word? 
platform? Streaming. Yeah, thanks. There we go. It's like, what? <laughs> Where's surfaces? What am I talking about? That's yes. very sci-fi. Give that some time. Soon it'll be <laughs> on your dining room table, everybody. Just give us 15 years. Tremendous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Fantastic. And again, everybody, I, I like to close with just a reminder. We touched on this before. Gangly Flamingo, right, is about embracing that awkwardness. So if you're finding yourself in situations where you're like, wow, this is what I use booze for. And I don't know if I can do this anymore. Try to get through it. Try to realize and identify that that discomfort means something's going on. There's work either happening or needs to be done. Sorry to tell you that, but it happens. Uh, and if you embrace that and work through it, I promise it will help. Reach out to us, find us. Otherwise, see you all next episode. Thank you.